0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. I say that every time, but I really am. I'm glad you're listening to this, and we appreciate you all. Alex, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's been a crazy past few, oh, past week or so. My father-in-law's not doing so well, so we just came back uh, from Massachusetts visiting him. So anybody uh, wants to say a quick prayer for him, we would definitely appreciate it. But other than that, things are rolling along.
0: Yeah, sorry to uh, hear about your father-in-law.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll, you know, everything happens for a reason. We understand that. So, but like I said, everything else is ru- running along here. So, we uh, we press forward.
0: Good. Are you still sending out marketing, doing postcards, and all that good stuff?
1: Oh, absolutely! You got to keep doing that. In fact, uh, while I was away, we closed a deal for uh, forty thousand dollars on the wholesale.
0: Good for you, man. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. We have, uh, those of you guys just heard that, that was Jay. And Jay has been posting checks left and right over on our Facebook group. So he's been doing some deals as well. That's what I love about this podcast, Alex. We get guys on here and ladies. The last interview we did was with Kathy. You missed it, Alex. Yeah. uh,
1: I was probably in the air.
0: (laughs) She was saying that you should not send postcards. (laughs)
1: <laughs> she was sending this send letters with tear sheets, I bet. Right?
0: Yes. Yes, she was. But, you know, I told her, I said, well, postcards work pretty good for me. She said, yeah, yeah, but they don't work as good as my letters. And um, <laughs> so maybe she's right. I don't know. But I think the point is, and we talked about this on the podcast, you always got to be marketing, no matter what you're sending. It could be a postcard or a letter. It could be just a napkin. In fact, you might find out, test that. Anybody listening to this, just fold up a napkin and and stick a stamp on it and put a label on it and send it. I bet you you'll get a good response rate on it. Anything that's different and stands out from your competition is good. But, Alex, I'm glad to hear you're still sending direct mail. Oh, yeah, I have to. Why not? You've been sending post. (laughs) you got to keep the train going. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay. Well, I think we should just jump into this. Um, oh yeah. We should say first, Alex, everybody needs to go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. They should. They should to download our fast cash survival kit. And I think we even talked about direct mail in that fast cash survival kit. Didn't oh we? yeah.
1: We've talked about direct mail, VAs, uh, how the business runs, all that good stuff. Uh, it's been a couple of years ago now. I mean, but it's all good information. It's all relevant, but uh, yeah. maybe you and I should even think about uh, doing a 2.0 or something of like that.
0: <laughs> I wonder if we can outsource that. Can, yeah, can we can we outsource the updating of our uh, fast cash survival kit? <laughs> um, probably not. <laughs> maybe we can get your VA and my VA to work together. But you know, I was I was looking at it the other day, and I don't know if there's much to update on it because we still. I, I'm still using VAs. I'm still doing Craigslist and still doing postcards, still doing um, Craigslist stuff. So you're still wholesaling deals. The stuff works. And that's one of the cool things about talking to Kathy the other day on that podcast was it? it was three years ago, almost to the month when I was interviewing her last time in Prague and I'm here in Prague again. And, She's still doing deals. She's still sending letters. She's been doing it since the '80s, I think. <laughs> Maybe I'm dating her. I shouldn't do that. She's been doing it since the <laughs> '90s, and uh, it still works. So go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check out the show notes, and you'll get a transcription of all of our, well, most all of our podcasts, and uh, you get to hear some cool things about what we're talking about today with Jay. And uh, but I th- I think we should quit chatting and let Jay talk. Jay, how are you, my man? Oh, we're doing great. Um, and you're with your wife.
2: Yeah, right? my my wife Annie is my business partner. Awesome. So I definitely wanted to have her on the call with me. She's a lot smarter
0: than I am.
1: <laughs> we'll see about that.
0: <laughs> That's us- usually the case. <laughs> I know Alex would agree with me on that one. But, um, they are
1: definitely
2: smarter. Yes.
0: Yes, they are. I yeah. Think. And, yeah, we
2: actually, uh, we just got one of our coaching students their, uh, first house today under contract. So that was good. Good for you.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So, Jay, Jay Adkins, um, I've seen you post your checks on different forms. Wholesaling houses full time and the wholesaling lease options one that I do. And you're doing all kinds of different deals. And I know you've also seen you around at different life and air events. In fact, Jay, I think I saw you last at a St. Louis Cardinals baseball game in St. Louis. Am I right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You were with your son, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing you and thinking, that looks like Jay from <laughs> yeah. Facebook. Did you guys meet <laughs> me up? No, this was. Know, or was
1: it just a random event?
0: Yeah, this was a a life and air event in St. Louis.
2: Yeah, oh, gotcha. yeah. All of the different groups decided to go together to a baseball game. It was a whole lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and I think the Cardinals lost.
2: They um, did. They came. They came close to coming back at the end.
0: That was. They were playing the Cubs. Yeah. Those stupid Cubs. So, so, but they've had a pretty good year and, uh, but I didn't get a chance to talk with you because it just didn't work out that day. Um, And it's funny, even though the life and air event was in St. Louis, I was only there for like half of one day. And, um, (laughs) but anyway, um, cool. Jay. So I saw you, you've been posting deals. Um, You've been giving some good advice. Uh, to different folks on Facebook posts. And I just wanted to ask, I asked if you you would be open to an interview and and you were gracious enough to say yes. And um, you're doing some cool things that I wanted to talk with you about in regards to um, bird dogs. You're doing some lease option deals and stuff. Jay, why don't you talk about how you and Annie got started or Annie, of course, just interjecting time, but talk about how you guys got started in real estate and um, how how you found out about this cool business.
2: Okay. Yeah. We, um, we got started about 15 years ago. We bought our first house and we fixed it up a little bit and moved into it. Uh And after about three years, we decided that we wanted to buy a house in a little bit, uh, quieter neighborhood. We lived on a busy street and now we had multiple children so um we decided to buy an additional house and we didn't want to sell our first house okay so we decided to to rent it out and we were able to get qualified to buy an additional home and keep the one that we had so um yeah we put an offer on a house we we moved out to a uh a golf course community, and, and rented our first house. And I, I, as soon as I got the first rent check, I was instantly hooked.
0: And this was 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, that that then that would have been 12 years after. Uh, by then, okay. So bought the first house 15 years ago, and then it ended up being our first investment property 12 years ago. All right. So yeah, I instantly got hooked when I got the rent check and it paid my mortgage and I actually had uh about $300 cash flow from that property.
0: Nice. So,
2: yeah, after that, um we uh, started doing more homework and and I found a book at the library on lease options and I read the book and it just happened to have some some uh contracts in the, on a disc in the back.
0: So,
1: was that by Peter Conti? That book.
0: Yeah, yeah. You yes. know what? That's a great book.
1: I read that book too. <laughs> that was one of my first <laughs> books. I sat in the middle of the Barnes and Noble's Idol because I didn't want to buy it,
2: and I just sat
1: there and read it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that that was me. Too cheap to buy the book, so I took it home and downloaded the discs onto my desktop you know it really didn't have uh laptops weren't real popular back then they were too expensive still <laughs> yeah, now,
1: yeah you bought the book or how did you get the disc home if you didn't buy it oh, i it
2: i uh, i rented it from the the public library had it
1: oh, the library okay gotcha sorry yeah that.
2: yeah yeah so they <laughs> they let me check it out and i put the disk in my in my desktop and downloaded all the forms and that's how I got started in lease options.
0: <laughs> how about Jeff, that? You read that book too, didn't you, Joe? It's one of my favorite books and I'm looking it up right it's, now on what, Amazon.
1: It's got like a blue cover on it.
0: Yeah, it's, it sounds the title kind of sounds spammy like you know, making big well, here's one of them. And this might be it. Making big money in real estate. Without tenants, banks, or rehab projects. That was written in two thousand two. Buying wow. real estate without cash or credit. That was written in two thousand five. And um,
1: two thousand two, let's see. It probably would have been That was probably it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was it two thousand two then? Pretty
1: close. Yeah, yeah. it was two thousand
0: three.
1: That's probably it. Um. I did two thousand three as well. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah because you can buy it for four cents used <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that is actually a good book and i've met peter conti he's a nice guy we've um had him on the
1: podcast too
0: he well yeah he does the flip guys or something like that um yeah
1: but we've had him on this podcast too haven't we
0: no i don't think so
1: i could have sworn we did
0: i should contact him you know it's it's um I'm not sure if he's even doing real estate anymore. Actually, to be honest, oh. uh, he he might be doing his own like investing and stuff, but I don't think he's teaching anymore. Um, he's done really really well for himself, and he's probably just yeah, that's enough. But um, <laughs> well, there's another book he wrote here called "How to Create Multiple Streams of Income: Buying Homes in Nice Areas with Nothing Down," and he wrote that in 2000. And you can buy you can buy that for one penny.
2: Paperback.
0: Wow, Wow, whoever's selling that, what how do they make their money? But I I have all of those books and I've read I haven't read the Multiple Streams of Income book, but I've read the other two, and they're actually really, really good. I remember um going through those and thinking, this is uh this is great stuff. But anyway, uh so you were reading one of Peter Conti's books and you stole it from the library or I'm just kidding (laughs) and and you illegally downloaded all all of the contracts. Uh, So did you start doing deals with that then or what?
2: Yeah, I actually, um, I had a a friend that was buying properties. He was my age, but uh, definitely a few years ahead of me, but he was buying with another investor at the sheriff's sale, and so they were uh, lease optioning some of those to us, and then we were sandwich leasing them to other tenants, okay so our our model was if we could make you know a little bit down and a few hundred dollars a month on the on the uh, on the monthly cash flow, then then we should be good to go.
0: All right, and then how did that work out?
2: Pretty good for a while. Um, I had some personal challenges after that. Um, I uh, went to a treatment facility, and and, uh, things kind of fell apart a little bit. So we ended up giving back our lease options, and we we lost our first couple houses to foreclosure.
0: Okay. Was this when Um, the market tanked or before?
2: Yeah, yeah. There
1: was a little bit of both. It was it was right
2: it was right during that period. Yeah.
1: personal challenges and market so, challenges.
2: So personal challenges plus market challenges equaled uh we started completely over. Okay. So, um were,
0: were you guys still together at that time?
2: Yeah, we're actually high school sweethearts. Wow. And y'all weathered We've the You been together
1: too. since we've been together since i was 15 and jay was 16 so wow well well, congratulations
0: yeah Yeah, thank you you guys have been through a lot it sounds like
2: yeah yeah we were pretty much homeless uh almost Hmm. you know the the, were you
1: working another job at that time like when you were doing the lease options and things were going uh belly up
2: yeah, I was I was a uh, I was a full time uh, bartender managing a Scotch and cigar bar. Okay. And I got into trouble due to alcohol, and so I had to quit that job. I couldn't work there anymore. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I was pretty much starting from scratch, and then Annie was pregnant. And when her employer found out she was pregnant with our fourth child, then they told her that they didn't need her anymore. No way. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was a tough time, real tough time. We we had to start over, find a new place to live, and, uh, and three kids under the age of three, six. three. kids under six, and and one on the way. So Whoa. what uh,
0: kind uh, What kind of employer would do that? Was was this a, um, a a big national company or just a local small company?
2: It's no, a no. It's a national chain. I would say it's regional. Well, probably regional.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. can we can we name names?
1: Do, <laughs> um, I don't care. <laughs>
2: ironically enough,
1: it was I, I called. Think she has too much loyalty to them.
2: <laughs> no, ironically enough, it was called Family Video.
0: <laughs> Holy, like the the video DVD <laughs> store.
2: Yes, yeah. is
1: that the Christian company that does the videos or? No, it's it was it's a rival to Blockbuster. It's what put oh, most of the, the Blockbusters out okay. of business. So. Yeah, they're out of business now at this point. Anyway, right? They can't keep <laughs> up.
2: Redbox <can't laughs> totally revolutionized everything, so everybody's dead <laughs> on that. Yeah, shockingly enough, they're still in business. Yeah, but, well, I um,
0: I've seen them around where where we used to live in St. Louis. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, if anybody anybody listening to this that works for, at Family Video, just don't get pregnant while you work with them. Yes. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. So, all right. So you guys were, um, I, guess, I imagine this must have been a pretty stressful time for you guys.
2: Oh, extremely. Yeah. Because we, we didn't know where we were going to live. Our house was going for sheriff sale like 60 days after that and, uh, I was in a treatment facility, so Mm. it, it was extremely challenging, you know, the, the very lowest point of our life, I would say at that point. Um, but you know, we, we believed in real estate and we knew it worked and we just didn't know enough to like, we didn't know even Being newer investors, we didn't even know what a short sale was at that point.
1: Yeah, it wasn't really like anything that anyone talked about what to do when your house goes into foreclosure or, you know, what your options are or how you can get out from underneath it or anything, which I think is one of the main reasons that we do so many different types of real estate these days because we have been in that situation that so many people are in. Where they
0: sure.
2: have really no idea where to turn hm huh. yeah, so we've we've found it very powerful for us in our life to help a lot of these sellers that really don't know what to do, they don't know where to turn or how to dispose of this this problem property, you know, yeah, and we we really are doing a an, an incredible service to them to show them there there is a way out without you totally destroying uh you know your your all of your credit or uh you know your personal situation
0: all right so you this must have been in 2008
2: 2009
0: yep yeah okay yep. how many yeah. uh how many homes did you guys control or own at that time before the market kind of crashed and things hit bottom
2: it was, it was five,
0: okay.
2: Uh, plus, plus we had our own house.
0: All right, what market was were you guys in?
2: Uh we're in the Columbus, Ohio area.
0: Okay, so you're still there?
2: Yep, we're still in the same area.
0: Okay. So, what happened after that?
2: Hey, um, let me ask
1: you real quick. Do you guys know? Yeah. Darren, you guys know Daring Dickey up there?
2: Um, I don't. No. Really?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh -uh. Yeah. He was doing a lot of wholesale deals up there. We should get him on the
2: podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You should connect him with me. I I can buy some houses from him. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Cool. We do a lot of that swapping back and forth uh, with other people here. Awesome. So, but yeah, we, we started over. I, I talked to a couple people here locally that um that I knew and I actually was doing some of the contracting. The first the first 4 or 5 houses I I rehabbed them myself, so I had some experience in doing that and I I learned a lot from my dad growing up. But uh I went to a couple people and said hey I'm, I I want to buy fix and sell some houses I'll move into it fix it up while I'm living there and then we'll uh, sell it and split the profit and so that that was our our model after that for a while so we had no uh, we, we didn't have any need for banks or, or or loans because we were using other people's money and just investing with them and, and splitting the deals
0: so this was in 08, 09. Yeah. And you were clean at that time, if you, if you don't mind me asking?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I had actually just got out of treatment and um, was uh, going to a couple meetings every day. And and uh, actually, this October, I'll, I'll be sober for uh, 10 years.
0: Awesome, Jay. That is so yeah, cool. Yeah,
2: right. Yeah, so that was actually two thousand and five when that happened.
0: That <clears> is <throat> so cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so we, we started doing that. We would move into it, I'd fix it up while we're living there, and then we would sell it and go do another one. So we did that for a few years until I you know, we, we joined a few of the local groups and I started learning a lot more about real estate. I got my mortgage license. Uh, my real estate license, Annie got her mortgage license Wow. and we just started, you know, we just jumped in, uh, headfirst into real estate and, and we tried to do multiple different aspects of it. So we had multiple streams of income.
0: Why did you get your mortgage license?
2: Um, I was really good with numbers and I had, a uh, a real estate office that gave me the opportunity to work in their office so i was their in-house lender okay so they would they would have people call in leads and i would answer the phone and basically try to get them to do a pre-qualification right over the phone when they were calling about houses okay so I, I built that up like that, and then I slowly transitioned over to being a real estate agent at that time. And then Annie became the, the full-time mortgage person, so we would, she would do the loan, and I would close the transaction. Okay. And then during that time, we were also um, you know, buying, fixing, and, and selling. It was very light at that time. We were doing like one, about one every six months.
0: Was this enough to support you and your family then? Yeah. Cool.
2: Yeah. Um, When I got my uh, real estate license, I hired a coach right off the bat. Yeah. So um, I I did a, a profit split with them, and I had somebody that was in the industry over 20 years coaching me, so... My first year was 2007 as an agent, which was the market crash, and, and I made uh, about $50,000 that first year.
0: Wow, okay. <laughs> that is pretty good at that yeah. time.
2: Yeah, so everyone's telling me you're absolutely nuts. You're crazy <laughs> for getting into real estate. <laughs> and
1: uh, wanted to know what our real jobs were going to be?
0: <laughs> well, sure. I mean, I've heard the average real estate agent full-time income, the average full-time income for a real estate agent in the United States is $12,000 a year. That's not for somebody who does it part-time. And I don't know if those numbers are right, but that's what I've heard. It is low. I can promise you that. (laughs) I can promise you that. So that's pretty good. So in 2007, 2008, you're starting to do short sales and rehabbing houses. Um, How long did you continue to do that? the short sales specifically? Um, we
2: still do them here and there. We, we're not really targeting those currently. Okay. Uh, but we still do, you know, from our leads that we get, we'll get short sales here and there and we'll go ahead and, and uh, you know, try to make that transaction work. But we sub out all of the all the negotiations. We don't do any of that ourselves.
0: Okay. When did you guys find out about life and error okay. um
1: two years ago approximately two years. yeah ago. yeah okay so two we're, year,
0: we're jumping ahead two years. too much then we're okay. <laughs> yeah i don't want to jump ahead too much so kind okay. of w- what was going on between uh you know 2008 2010 kind of where the maybe 2011 or 12 was the bottom of the market what were you guys doing up to that point then
2: Uh, Up to that point, we started doing more lease options because we were still in process of of rebuilding our credit, and so we were seeking out um, owners that either moved away and couldn't afford uh, to make the payments, or they were distressed in some way and, and needed to move, or they were getting divorced, and neither one of them could afford the house, so we we really focused more on options at that time.
0: That's uh, when I was doing most of my lease options as well. Between yeah. 2009 to 2012 is when I was doing most of them. Yeah. Interesting. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, and I think from doing all the loans that we did, uh, that really helped us to qualify good candidates, uh, as far as analyzing credit and debt ratios and, and, uh, Counseling them on how to, how to get their, their final loan approval.
0: Okay, good.
2: So plus, plus we had been through the same thing. So, um, we knew how it felt to, hmm. to go through that and not have anybody to turn to. So, uh, we, we have a, a, a large passion for helping other people that, um, you know, that need our help.
0: That's one of the reasons why I still love lease options to this day. I'm not doing as many as I used to. We're doing more traditional wholesaling, but I'm actually starting to go back into lease options because I want to start building my own portfolio. But um, you really have the opportunity to help a lot of people that might not, not otherwise have gotten that help. Sandwich
1: lease options, Joe?
0: Yeah, sandwich lease options. Uh huh. Interesting. Because the reason my and, and maybe we'll talk about this later, Jay, Because I know you guys still do some lease options. Uh, yeah. One of the reasons I like them is because it's a great way to build a portfolio of nicer homes in nicer areas, right? Like great. Right. Yeah. Because you can go out and you can buy these forty, fifty thousand dollar homes that rent for eight or nine hundred a month and get good ROI. But the problem is one of the problems. And I wouldn't. Even, I don't even know if this is a problem because if you got right, if you got good property management, it doesn't matter. But w- one of the issues, maybe, or challenges, or opportunities, <laughs> is uh, you own a house in a forty, fifty thousand dollar neighborhood, and a lot of times you just don't find the best quality tenants there. And no, so but when you can lease option a home, when you can control a property. In maybe a hundred two hundred thousand dollar neighborhood, let's just say if you when you can control a home in a hundred and fifty thousand dollar neighborhood the the headaches go way down for the most part. You get better quality tenants, and when you are buying properties without any of your own money or credit taking control of it with an option, you can get as good of numbers or better with less headaches in those neighborhoods. Does that make sense? Would you agree, Jay and Annie?
2: Oh definitely um, that's one hundred percent true. you get less turnover you get less phone calls you get less um, you know just less headaches all all um when you lease option a property in a sandwich
1: style you mean yes, in
2: rather a higher not- price in a higher price neighborhood
1: gotcha so you'd rather not own the property at all you'd rather do the sandwich
0: well, yeah, because think about it. If you were to buy that property, that $150,000 property, that's a lot of money. And you'd have to either get a loan or pay cash. And so why not, you know, maybe put $1,000 down and control the property on a five to 10-year lease option, right? Right. And you don't even, you don't even have to, like, uh, do a lease option on the other side. You could just rent it as a regular tenant, but the numbers yeah, the got to work. The numbers need to work, you know, have to work. So,
1: I mean, whatever whatever you do with that, it's going to be somewhat of a temporary, a controlled temporary situation because the owner could say, oh, yeah, I want the property back P- potentially, right?
0: Well, not, not before the lease option term expires.
1: Right, because you have the, you've got it locked up.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Once they've signed an agreement, you know, they've signed an agreement, so... And so a control without ownership cash flow
1: situation, I guess.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It it was actually this just a few weeks ago was the first time I had an owner call me and say, I don't I don't want the house in my name anymore.
0: <laughs> so what'd you do then?
2: Well, we're gonna convert it and put it into a trust. Okay and then I'll be the trustee and the beneficiary of the trust. That's smart. So, it's a little bit more you know, for a newbie it's a little more advanced strategy. But here's, um,
0: you know, here's the point because I have a similar story to you and Jay Jay and Annie that I think maybe Alex does too. We were buying a lot of houses subject to or with sandwich lease options and then the market crashed and all of a sudden we were left holding a bunch of properties. I think the well, san-
1: If you own it, yeah, you're definitely stuck.
0: <laughs> sure. But that's a great thing about lease options is because it, it's less risk. I'm not saying it's, there is no risk, but there is, it is less risk. And if the deal goes bad, it's a lot easier to get out of it. But now that I see the market appreciating again, I would rather hold a property, control a property in a nicer neighborhood than a cheap rental neighborhood.
1: Right. With little, no equity even?
0: No, I would only stay in the middle if it had equity in it. You know, I, I, yeah. Jay, maybe maybe you can tell us your general, what's your rule of thumb for a lease option you're going to stay in the middle of?
2: Um, if, there's, if there's not a lot of equity... Um, I'll still do the deal if it's in a good neighborhood and I know I can make at least $300 a month on the rent and I can get, you know, at least $5,000, you know, for a down payment.
0: Okay. All right.
2: And, and how I usually work mine like that is, you know, Mr. Seller, you really don't have any equity. It, It could, I don't know what, what the future of the market is. It could go up. It could go down. So that's why I need to do a, a 10-year option with you. So I have time to pay down your, your mortgage. Yeah. And I don't know how much equity is going to be there. There could be none. There could be a bunch. But I'm taking the risk. So whatever it is, whenever I decide to execute it, um, I'm just paying off your mortgage. You're not getting any money.
0: So your option how do you set your option price then is it is it whatever the loan balance is in 10 years?
2: Yeah, it just says mortgage payoff.
0: So the your option price is your mortgage payoff. Right. Interesting. So Alex, would you do that? Would you in a good appreciating area, you know, in the slums of Virginia Beach? Hey. Would you, <laughs> Okay. In this, in the slums of the really, oh, never mind. In in a home in that area, okay, would you do a long term lease option for ten years if it cash flowed a couple three hundred dollars with no equity?
1: Well, here's the here's the issue or the problem is that you're on the hook for that money if your tenant doesn't
0: pay. But okay, let's say they don't. How hard is it to find another tenant in in a really in a in a nice neighborhood like that?
1: Right, right. But let's say three let's say you've got 10 of these things and then three people don't pay and now you're on the I mean, you got to make sure you got cash reserves at that point for sure.
0: Definitely. That's really important.
2: Yeah, I don't recommend that unless you know, if someone's thinking about this strategy and they're new to it, I would either not do that or <laughs> I would make sure that you put that deposit money that they gave you in a savings account in case, you know, that person I'll quits paying and then run off and buy Gucci shoes. Sure. Right.
0: Sure. Yeah.
2: Now we've, we've had it happen where, you know, people get divorced or they, we had one a month ago, they just up and moved Stop. out and have even told us. Yeah. But we, we got $4,000 down from them and and they moved out, and, and luckily they didn't tear it up. It was broom swept and in great condition, but we just turned around and filled it again within two weeks and got another uh, $3,600. Well, on
1: the turnaround, you, you're not going to go back to the owner and say, oh, guess what? Your place got tore up. We need some money to fix this puppy back up.
0: <laughs> now... Right. So the important thing to realize is you have to make sure you have reserves for each one of your properties. And I would recommend two to three months of rent if you can swing it in each property,
2: right? Yeah, I would say at least three.
0: At least three months. Okay. So the cool thing about lease options too, is that if it does need work, you can put a little bit of money into it to clean it up. But you could then advertise it as a lease option again as a handyman special work for equity and get the new tenant buyer to do some of the work to fix it up. Now, within reason, it can't be a ton of work, but you can, you can get the tenant buyer a new one to fix it up if you uh, cut them a good deal. D- is that what you do sometimes? We've Here's done that
1: too. On the sandwich. Yeah. When, you, when your tenant buyer says, yes, I'm ready to buy the property. How do you handle that with seasoning issues with loans and such?
0: Great question. Great question. And I have an answer to that. But, Jay, what what would you say to that?
2: Um, one strategy we've used is a open-ended mortgage with the original owner. And um, you can record a mortgage for the, the difference of whatever your profit's going to be. And then you just get it's- paid out of it. As a that second lien
0: holder, what were you going to say, Alex?
1: I said, never thought of that one.
0: Yeah, See, you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer.
1: No, I'm not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either. That's why I love these podcasts because you hear these guys come up with these things.
2: Yeah, well, there's that's a good strategy. But you have no to bank. get the seller to agree
0: to that.
1: You got to say, hey, seller, sign this twenty thousand dollar mortgage. <laughs>
0: True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, you know, then they have to look at what their options are. If they want to ever sell this house, they're going to have to do what you ask them to do.
2: It's the
1: least worst option, right?
0: Sure. Sure.
2: Yes. And we're always very upfront with them about hey, we're helping you out, obviously, but we are here to make a profit and, you know, everybody needs to make a profit to live. So um, they're usually pretty understanding about that.
0: I found with lease options when I've done them is if you just, I'm not saying nothing can go wrong because something always will. And every, you know, no two deals are going to be the same. But if you can keep the lines of communication open with the seller and give full disclosure, everything you're doing, it's not a big deal. And there will be times when the seller says, listen, I need to sell this thing. And then it becomes you can negotiate, maybe they can give you a bigger discount if you actually do close it, or maybe you just take it out of their name and put it into a trust, like Jay was saying. But um, that's why, I, again, I like lease options so much better than subject twos is because if the deal does go bad, you just you can get out of the option if you want. Um, yeah that's not you don't want to give up and walk away from these deals but it's just easier. And uh, I, I really like it as a strategy. If you want to, if, if it's in your you know, uh, a plan or vision to control nicer, a nicer portfolio of homes, then this is probably a real good way to do it. Um, good. Was there anything else you wanted to say regarding that seasoning issue when you double close on a sandwich lease option?
2: Um, no, that's it. I mean, that's the easiest way. Otherwise you're, you're calling banks trying to figure out who will finance and allow your, your option to be paid at closing, you know, and, and some banks may say yes, some may say no. So I think the easiest way to do it is just do a second lien open-ended mortgage.
0: And when do you, and, re- when do you record that at the very beginning or when the tenant buyer is ready to buy the house and you need to double close or or close whatever?
2: Um, when we know that they're a few months away from closing, you know, they're getting close to being qualified, then, then we would put that, uh, open-ended mortgage in place. Okay. But you, you could certainly do it in the beginning, like, uh, almost as a home equity line of credit, you could record it, uh, as a second lien mortgage with, without an, a dollar amount on it. Oh, really? So you really? see there's a. Yeah, so you see there's a mortgage there, but there's no, uh, no specific amount attached to it, or it could be up to, you know, if, if you see home equity lines of credit, you'll see it as a mortgage on there, but they don't necessarily have the amount.
0: Interesting. And that also has the added benefit of clouding the title as well to prevent the owner from taking more loans out on the property, correct? Right, right. Very good. Hey, everybody. This is Joe McCall, and I'm going to have to cut this interview off short because it just actually went a little too long with Jay. It was a great interview. So we're going to split it up into two parts. If um, you want to go listen to part two, it should be released soon, probably in the next few days. But anyway, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes, to get more information uh, about this episode to get the links and the transcriptions and all that good stuff. Okay, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and we'll see you on part two in a little bit. Take care.